Heroism and anti-heroism both ultimately boil down to suffering. What is heroism except relieving or preventing someone else's suffering? What is villainy except causing it? What this means, unfortunately, is that gaining a better understanding of the roots of goodness and evil, compassion and callousness, requires that somebody suffer. I found this out the hard way. Hard as a fist, hard as a slab of concrete. Midway through my first year of graduate school, when I was violently assaulted by a stranger, the incident served as a bizarre counterpoint to having been rescued by a stranger. I'm not exactly glad it happened, but it undoubtedly gave me a more complete understanding of the human capacity for callousness and cruelty. It happened soon after the clock struck midnight on 31st of December 1999, that giddy moment when the world realized it would not be ending in a massive global computer meltdown courtesy of the bug known as Y2K. I, along with several of my closest childhood friends from Tacoma, had convened to celebrate the event on the Las Vegas Strip. This was probably unwise. I knew that at the time. The Strip is a bit of a mess, even on a quiet, off-season night. On the New Year's Eve that marked the dawn of a new millennium, mess doesn't begin to describe what it was like. It was chaos. It was Mardi Gras on steroids. It was an endless sea of giddy, drunk, raucous humanity stretching for miles in every direction. My friends and I were six 23-year-old women who collectively made a second unwise decision, which was that the theme of our night would be sparkles. Sparkly dresses, sparkly halter tops, sparkly makeup. Also, silly New Year's-themed glitter-caked cardboard hats, and flashing light sunglasses. We were shooting for glamorous and fell more than a little short. Luckily, Las Vegas standards are not high. When, at the beginning of the night, the six of us and all our sparkles poured out of the elevator and onto the floor of the casino hotel where we were staying, the whole floor burst into spontaneous applause. We heard people shouting, Woo! and thought we were the most spectacular things in town. It seemed an auspicious start to the evening. For most of the hours leading up to midnight, we had a ball. Everyone was in a great mood. Televisions in the casinos showed that the clocks had rolled over into 2000 in Australia, and the world had remained on its axis. No computer meltdowns, no shutdowns of city grids. All the people we met, most of whom were roaming around like us in large flocks of 20-somethings, were ebullient, buying each other drinks, stopping to pose for group pictures— not something people normally did back then either, when taking pictures required using an actual camera and waiting hours or days to see the results. But as the evening wore on and our sparkles faded, people's manners started to fade as well. People, men specifically, started getting grabby. At first, it was just the occasional, seemingly errant brush of the hand. But as the hours and drinks piled up, it escalated to grabs and squeezes of breasts and backsides. By midnight, my friends in dresses could feel hands creeping up inside their skirts and down their tops when they stopped to take pictures. I was wearing leather pants and managed to escape some of that indignity, but I lost count of how many times strange men squeezed my ass. At first, honestly, it was all sort of funny. We were drinking and giddy just like everyone else. It seemed mostly harmless. There were lots of other people around, men and women both, and the strip was brightly lit and lined with police officers. It never occurred to me that anything worse than a little silly grabbing would happen. Then I saw someone die, 
He was young, mid-twenties at most. Maybe he was trying to get a better view of the strip, or impress his friends, or maybe the night's wild frissons just drove him to try something wild. Whatever the reason, he climbed up a metal traffic signal pole on the strip and ventured out onto the arm that extended over the street. It was impossible to tell from below, but the wires that run through these arms are exposed. His hand made contact with one and he tumbled, lifeless, to the pavement below. Even if the electric shock hadn't killed him, the fall might have. I read later that he'd landed on his head. That night, all I saw was a man up on the pole, and then, a fraction of a second later, he had fallen and the crowd around me was shouting incoherently. The news spread from group to group that the man on the pole was dead.